0: grateful to be here. Uh, I was reading the daily psalms this morning, as I do every day, and there was uh, a verse that's just set on me. Uh, I'm a little tired this morning. My allergies are messed up when the weather changes so much and all the pollen drops. like It just hits me. And, uh, and I woke up this morning and I was like, ugh, I, I'm already tired. I just got out of bed. Uh, And and then I I opened up the Psalms, and the very first Psalm of the day, Psalm 19, we prayed this uh, in our time at 845, I'd love for you to join me at 845 at our prayer time on Sunday mornings, and we talked about and prayed over this verse in Psalm chapter 19, verse 7, it says, the law of the Lord, everybody say, the law of the Lord is perfect, and then this this is the one I want you to repeat, reviving the soul, everybody say, reviving the soul, this is, my, this is what I prayed over you this morning, is that the, the law of the Lord, the word of God, as we read it today, would revive your soul, that it would, it would ignite something in you. We are continuing our mission vision series as we do at the beginning of every year. Uh, we take the first three weeks and we talk about love God, love his church, love people. Everybody say love God. Love God. Everybody say love his church. If I say love people, people. now that's the mission. That's the mission of our church. That's how we live out the vision of our church. And so, the vision of our church, we're going to put it up on the screen. Redemption Church, we exist to redeem the church and the community with the gospel by making disciples. So I want you to together, we're all going to in unison say this together on three, one, two, three. We exist to redeem the church and the community with the gospel by making disciples. That's it. That's why we're here. Everything we do ought to be somehow on mission, loving God, loving his church or loving people, fulfilling that vision, that we would be a part of a church that gets redeemed and revitalized and replanted, and we'd go out and help do that with other churches. And so still, uh, for the whole month of January, Chuck Fry, one of our elders leading worship at Jones Road Baptist Church, we're already starting to miss him. It's been too long. I told him he's got to come back soon, uh, but he's got one more week as he serves out there. And we have officially, unofficially, entered into an unofficial uh, just walking alongside uh, Park Lane Baptist Church is there without a pastor and we're helping fill their pulpit for a season till they find an interim and just helping them think through the future uh, of what might be for them as we pray for them. And, uh, and so we're helping them wherever we can and First Baptist Jack's Beach we're helping and we're sending out filling out the pulpit there as well. Uh, Heart Haven Baptist Church, we might be coming alongside and helping them as well. And, and understand that part of that is what, what we said is we're not going to wait till we're big enough and strong enough. We're going to be that scrappy little church on the corner that's just going to push back the darkness and, and fight for the glory of God however we can. Amen? Amen? So today we get to love people. We did love God, love his church, love people. When we spell this out in further detail by saying, "Love people with truth, and mercy, and action, and sacrifice," uh, we intentionally listed that with a lot of "ands" because we want you to realize that loving people is more than just being nice. And sometimes, honestly, love is not necessarily nice, right? When we love people with truth, we should always, always hear me clearly always speak truth with gentleness. You are not an Old Testament prophet. You, you don't get to speak like an Old Testament prophet, but you, you should speak truth. And, and, and here, here's, here's how you know that if you've spoken truth in love, does that person know that you love them before you ever open your mouth? Before you ever open your mouth, see, it's one thing to come alongside somebody and just call them out when you see that they're doing something. But ideally, that's happening because you've already developed a relationship with them. If Some of you have been on the other end of that conversation with me. If, if I love you, and you already know that I love you, and sometimes I've felt the need, I've looked you in the eyes, and I've spoke some hard truth to you. I don't enjoy doing that, but I love you, and I want to see you Grow and move out of those things. So we say love and truth. Uh, it's, it's it's not being a doormat, but it's also in mercy. There should always be mercy. We should always understand that we stand level ground at the foot of the cross. You you require no more or less grace than I do. You require no more or less of the blood of Jesus Christ to wash your sins than I do. And so we should always have mercy. But listen, these aren't just uh, words and. and and statements and voices, there there needs to be some hands and feet to this, some some action. Love love is an action verb. Love has action to it. And that action ought to cost you something. Real love costs you. Real love will cut you. It hurts you as you sacrifice for the sake of others. Action and sacrifice. Today, we intentionally set up love God, love His church, love people for several reasons at the beginning of every year. One of those many reasons is, uh, in evangelical world uh, of churches in America, this Sunday, the third Sunday of January, is what's called Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. Uh, when, when we take an opportunity uh, to remember that we were all created in the image of God, Imago day, Everybody say Imago day. You got to speak Latin. That just means that you were created in the image of God. You're created in His likeness. And so... The reason that's important, everyone created in the image of God is already owed a debt by you of love and dignity. I'm going to argue that out of the text today. We'll see that out of the word of God, everyone created in the image of God is owed by you love. You have a debt of love towards everyone that you encounter, everybody that you do life with, everybody that you come across in your paths, you owe them a debt of love, Martin Luther King Jr., one of the reasons that Sanctity of Human Life Sunday is uh, Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday uh, is, is celebrated tomorrow, uh, the third Monday of the month. Our, he said, our responsibility as Christians, when it comes to the, the great commandment to love your neighbor as yourself, our responsibility as Christians is to discover the meaning of this command and seek passionately to live it out in our daily lives. Very simply put. This is it. This is so we've talked about when we've talked about this idea of love God, love His church, love people. Where does that come from? Well, it comes from our te- our main our central text today in Matthew chapter twenty two, verses thirty six through forty. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn there. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one and a pew somewhere around you that says the story on the front. If you don't own a Bible, you can take that with you as our gift to you. What we'd recommend when you get home: take the first about eight pages that are printed in color take that home, read it. It's a summary of what we believe the whole Bible is about, and you could uh, get an understanding of where we stand on that. In this text, we have an interesting interaction we've referenced every week so far this year, where Jesus encounters some some legal teachers, some religious leaders. He'd already had some interactions in Matthew 22 with them, and and actually leading up to this passage, it says, and seeing that he had silenced some of them, so many had come to Jesus trying to stump him, trying to Get him a question that he couldn't answer. And seeing that he had been silenced, we end up seeing this interaction. And so if you would, stand with me as we read the word of God in Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 through 40. If you don't have, if you have the story Bible, it's on page 685. Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 through 40. The lawyer asked Jesus, teacher. Which is the great commandment in the law? And he, Jesus, said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. You may be seated. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, as we look at your word this morning, I pray that your word would revive our souls. Lord, that we would heed the words of Martin Luther King Jr. and we would discover the meaning of this command and we would seek passionately to live it out in our daily lives. Lord, use this today for your glory. Speak through me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. In this passage we see quite the interaction, quite the distilling of uh, so much law in the Old Testament. And it's so fascinating what Jesus says at the end there. I've always pointed out, it's always blown my mind. And he's, after he lists the two commands, he says, and on these two commandments, depend, or your translation may say hinge or hang, all the law and the prophets. Everything, everything in the Old Testament hangs on these ideas. This is, it's, it's the love of God Lived out in us. That's the whole thing. That's what God has for us. Ira Gillett was a missionary to East Africa, and he had, a while back, he had returned home to report on his activities overseas, and he related a very interesting phenomenon that he was noticing. Gillett noticed how groups uh, there would walk past government hospitals and travel many extra miles to receive medical treatment at their missionary compound. He finally asked a particular group that had walked a pretty good distance, uh, and they had passed some treatments that they could have had at other places available at the government clinics, and their reply to him, he asked them, why? Why why do you travel this distance? And their reply was, the medicines may be the, the same, but the hands are different. The medicines might be the same, but the hands are different. We have an opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. This is the second commandment that Jesus gives us, is we have the opportunity to be his ambassadors, his ministers of reconciliation. His, his effort in this world is done through the local church, and the work of the local church is done through us as individuals, not through just the pulpit, but through us. As we leave here, we get to live out what Jesus has called us to, this idea of love. But when we talk love, look, don't, don't distill it down to a bunch of hippies with, flowers and peace signs and just be nice, just love, man, love. Not that some bad, I mean, there's some good music came out of all that, but, but listen, this, this is not just about being lovey-dovey or just being doormats. Love, love is gritty. Love is hard. Love is painful sometimes. Uh, love, love grows you. It doesn't just acquiesce to what you want. Uh, love is a catalyst. Love is the message. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 11, it says, For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, from the beginning, that we should love one another. It goes on in 1 John to say, it takes us all the way back to Cain and Abel and, and, and say, like, hey, don't be like those guys. Love has been the message from the very beginning. Love has been the aim in First Timothy, chapter one. It, Paul is instructing this young pastor, Timothy, and he's telling him, much like our passage in First Thessalonians talked about last week, don't get caught up in things you don't fully understand. Don't get caught up in debates and create disunity because you want to debate over things. And then he tells him, he summarizes all of his arguments in 1 1 through 4 with verse 5. He says, The aim, the aim, the goal of our charge is love. Everybody say, love. love. The aim, the aim of our charge is love. And not just love, but love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and sincere faith. Listen, this is, Paul's telling Timothy, this young pastor, this is the mark of what it looks like to live this out. That you would have a pure heart and a good conscience sincere faith. See it's hard It's hard to be loving to others when we're constantly consumed with junk. And, and let me explain what I mean junk. Like like junk food. You ever you ever like just eating like a whole bunch of junk food for long too long of a period? And then like, and you just, you can feel it, right? Like you can, you can just feel like the like it's just weird. Like you just you know you like way more, but you feel the weight, right? And you're like I don't know, just like and you feel junky and like you walk out like it just sweats weird. Like it has an odd smell to it, right? And it, it, it's just whole like you've consumed all, in the same way like mentally and spiritually we consume junk, and. and and, and sometimes that junk is our own voices about ourselves. I, as one of I love singing the song, he's saying, I am who you say I am, right? My, my identity, my worth, my value, uh, praise God, is, is not intrinsic in like who I actually am, but in who the Lord says I am, amen? Right, because I, I can look at myself and I can get real, uh, I can start to evaluate and I can get real depressed because uh, I'm very aware of a lot of my shortcomings. I'm very aware of areas where I still need growth, and I'm very aware of those. And it's easy for me, if I want, to start focusing on that. I can get real down. That's junk. But when I, when I cry out and I sing out, but I am who you say I am. Let me just let that sit on you for a second. I am who you say I am. Who does he say that I am? He says, Because I'm a child of God, because I've been washed by the blood of Jesus, because I've been adopted into his family, he calls me son. He calls me beloved, forgiven, not forsaken. That's a big deal. I I, I think a big part of living out love like this is understanding our real identity in Christ, understanding who we really are the aim of our charge is love the issues from a pure heart and a good conscience is a, a sincere faith will you get a good conscience a pure heart and a sincere faith by diving into the word by resting in the identity that Christ gives you love is the message love is the aim but listen for my legalist out there love is also the law right maybe you hear all this and you think man I don't want hugs and smiles the law man we got things we got to obey well guess what love is also the law Romans chapter thirteen verses eight through ten says, "Oh, no one anything except love. Oh, no one anything except to love each other." Remember earlier, I told you that you have a because people are created in the image of God. You have a debt to love. This is where I get that from. This idea of oh, no one to anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Everybody say the law. the law. Love is the message from the very beginning. Love is the aim. It's the charge of the church. But love is also the law. It's, I mean, it's, you, we fulfill the very law of God by loving each other. You ever paid attention to the interactions that Jesus Christ has with the religious leaders of his day who followed what they assumed to be the letter of the law? Like to the T, right? They dotted every I, they crossed every T, they did everything exactly the way it's said to be done, but yet he still called them whitewashed tombs. He still said, but you're dead and empty inside. Why? Because they missed it. Because when they come to him and they say, what is the greatest commandment in Matthew 22? His response is so fascinating. He takes them back. Remember I told you in Deuteronomy chapter 6, the Shema, everybody say Shema. It means hear and obey, hear with the implication of obedience, Shema. Hear, O Israel, our God is one. That's that's where that idea comes from. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, it says that, love the Lord your God. Now, it goes on to tell you how you are to implement that in your home, Deuteronomy chapter 6, and it gives you a lot of details of how to do that. But we can miss the love part. And then he basically says, love him with everything you got. Every part of you love God with all of that. Oh, no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. And just in case you wanted to debate that, Paul goes a little further. For the commandments, and he lists some, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And then if you go, okay, well, he didn't list them all. Okay, well, he says, and any other commandment. In other words, I'm not going to sit here and recite all the commandments to you. But just in case you thought this was some abstract thought, like some addition to, no, when Jesus said that all the law and the prophets depend on these two, this is where Paul's getting this idea when he writes this inspired by the Holy Spirit. And he's, he's pointing you to specific commandments. And he's going, and then any other one, but just so you know that it relates specifically to every commandment, they're all summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. This is it. This is what you do. This is what it means to be a follower of Christ, is to be one who loves God with everything in you. And then that flows out of you and you love others. This fulfills the law. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. So love is the message from the very beginning. Love is the aim and the charge of the church. And love is the law. He even talks about that in the book of Galatians and other places that love is the law, fulfillment of the law. Where does all this come from? It comes from God. Why is that important? Why is it important God is love? You Maybe you've heard that. 1 John 4, 7. Beloved, let us love one another. Why? For love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. It goes on in 1 John 4 to say, And God is love. And so anyone who doesn't love and says they love God is a liar. So there seems to be this interdependent, interconnected idea between the very nature and essence of who God is and then who he's called us to be as his followers. That's really not that complicated, right? What it means to be someone's disciple, what it means to be someone's follower is to become more and more and more like that person as you go. Now, one of the objections that I'll hear from people sometimes is uh, if I'm loving to that person I have to fake it. I, I would just be faking it because I don't really love that person. And so do you want me to fake it? Because that feels like it would be inauthentic. It feels like it would be disingenuous. This idea of owing love towards another person. What does that even mean to owe love towards somebody? To have that debt? If I do it as a debt, isn't it less genuine at that point? Is how we feel. But let me I want to push back against that a little bit. If you've ever learned a sport or a musical instrument, um, the way to do it right doesn't feel natural at first, right? Like, when you start to learn how to play piano or how to swing a baseball bat or a golf club or how to throw a football, like, there, there's a way that seems natural and right to you, and so you do that but it doesn't seem to produce the results of those who are really good at it, right? Right? So not picking allegiance here, but there's a video of a guy named Drew Brees who happens to play for a great team that I may like. It happens to be a believer and all those things. Anyway, all that set aside, there there was this really great video uh, that actually Reggie Bush put out a few weeks ago. Reggie Bush plays on the Saints, and, and it was right before, actually, it was, it, was, it was a day before Drew Brees had statistically one of the greatest games of his entire career, which at this point, he's one of the oldest, not the, but one of the oldest quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, and so most guys have aged, have aged out and don't play quarterback anymore. Um, and, and so right after this video went out, he, Drew Brees had one of the best games he's ever had statistically. But... The video shows you why. Reggie Bush is from one side of the field in his video, and he's talking real quiet, almost like he's like on a safari, like watching uh, a, a giraffe. And, and he t- he's showing you that it's 45 minutes after practice is over, and Drew Brees, who's been playing this game for decades now, is out there running drills by himself, practicing the motions and the movements necessary to be a good pocket quarterback. And whether you care about sports or not, just think about that for a moment. This guy has been playing at the top of his game for a long time. If anybody could go, I'm going to dial it in this week, you'd think he might be a guy that could do that. But the reason he's able to play at the top of his game at his age is because he's out there 45 minutes after practice is over, practicing those motions. Now, why is he continually practicing those motions? Because if he doesn't continue to practice those motions, then his body will go back to a muscle memory that feels more natural, but doesn't produce the desired result. Are you following me? So yes, it may feel a little unnatural to be loving towards people that you don't naturally have love towards, but you're, you're creating new muscle memory. You're creating new growth in your life. And yes. Growth is always going to be awkward at first. You ever heard somebody playing an instrument for like, like, they've been practicing for like two weeks and they're still going, and they feel like they've improved a lot, but you're listening and it's just painful, right? <laughs> In the same way, listen, it may feel somewhat disingenuous, somewhat inauthentic to be really loving and merciful towards somebody that you don't naturally feel loving and merciful but isn't that like the whole point? Isn't that like the whole thing here? See, even Jesus says, Look, if you're nice to the people who are nice to you, what good have you done? That's easy. That's easy. Of course, you can be nice to people who are nice to you. If you're not nice to people who are nice to you, that's a whole other level of issues like, that we need to talk through. But, he's, but when he says this, I mean, the Bible says, Love your enemies. Love your enemies. Listen, on Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, we we want to point out several things about human life. Several issues that go on in our world today. Sanctity of human life issues relate to um, abortion and the fact that those babies are created in the image of God and deserve a chance to live. Sanctity of human life issues talk about trafficking, human trafficking, which the state of Florida is number three in the nation at. Jacksonville is one of the hot spots and one of the big hot spots is about a mile and a half down the road from here. You pinpoint hot spots on the map, we're, we're not far from several of them. Sanctive human life issues result in, uh, or, or talk about encompass racism and the way we treat people of other ethnicities and uh, refugees in our country and people of different skin colors and cultures and, and all those things. All the things that create issues and tension, it's our responsibility to understand the intrinsic dignity owed to anyone created in the image of God. Anyone. Anyone and everyone. Think of the person you love the least, your nemesis, if you will, if you have one. The person that If you got a sign to spend the day with, you would really increase your prayer life. (laughs) What does it look like for you to show love to them? Here's the other flip side of that. I think loving our enemies is an easy application point to ponder and discuss, a hard one to live out. But I think one that's hard to ponder and discuss because we think we live it out is those we're most comfortable with. Our spouses, our children, our family, our friends. Those we love the most are usually the people we hurt the, the hardest, isn't it? Because we figure, like, we'll get through it, right? You'll put up with me, because we're married. You kind of have to. Or you're my kids. If you run away, it's illegal, right? Like, and so we, we get away with things and we treat people that we love dearly, sometimes the worst. And those are the people we need to show great love to. Think about that this week. Each day, who can I, who can I be the hands of, and feet of Jesus to? I mean, in the quick answer, obviously, right? This, isn't this the question that one of the religious leaders asked uh, Jesus, right? Okay, so I hear you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor. And then he, he thinks he's got a great question and he goes, so who's my neighbor? And you know, I, I assume it's one of those moments where like everybody else is like, yeah, whoo! You hear like a little rumble. Oh, yeah, we got him. We got him. Who's your neighbor? And Jesus, I mean, like Jesus does, right? Just answers with this phenomenal story that we call the story of the Good Samaritan. But I think we miss like the weight of that story. I think we miss the political and racial tension of that story uh, because we're disconnected from it some. I think, I think we miss, like, really what's going on here. That he tells a story where the Samaritan's the hero would be like telling someone in the Ku Klux Klan a story where, the, where an African-American's the hero. It'd be like telling that story to that guy like and, 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 and making the hero somebody he intrinsically hates because of their cultural identity. It would have shaken their world, even to the point, and, and maybe, you can, maybe you can disagree with me, maybe I'm reading too much into it, that even after Jesus finishes that story, and Jesus then puts it on them, and he goes, which one was the good neighbor? And he wants them to say it out loud. And I love that they, I, maybe I'm misreading this, but they can't say the Samaritan. They can't say it out loud. So he goes, the one who, you know, is gracious and merciful. I don't. Maybe I'm misreading that, but in my mind, I feel like maybe he's having a hard time saying the Samaritan out loud. But not only does he make the Samaritan the hero, he makes the Levite and the priest bad guys in the story. They they can't they can't stop their own plans. See, love interrupts. They can't stop their own plans because they're walking and they see this guy, but they're on their way to something, and to stop and help this guy would really disturb their plans. It would mess them up. It would religiously make them unclean at that point, and they couldn't continue to practice. So when we say God is love and we get to live this out, this is, listen, this is not an optional part of following Jesus. Like This is following Jesus. This is the outflow. This is what it looks like. This is the win. This is the the thing in the column that we decide whether we're following Jesus or not is, is just demonstrated by our love. Even Jesus says that. Jesus says, they'll know that you are my disciples by how you love each other. Right? Not by your WWJD bracelet or your fish on the back of your car or whether you reposted that awkward picture of a white Jesus on Facebook. That's not how people know, but by how you love each other. That's how people know. Because God showed it to us in Romans 5, 8. But God shows his love for us. What does love look like? Well, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, not when we got cleaned up, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That will likely be the most quoted verse you ever hear from me. Because for me, it just hits me every time I read it. I think about what that love is, that, that I was rebelling against God, a sinner. I deserve his wrath and his judgment. And while I was still a sinner, while I was still rebelling against God, he died for me and he saved me not cuz i did anything to deserve it but in spite of me not listen that's not anything to do with my worth but his his love it's a demonstration of how great his love is and so we get to this question teacher Matthew 22 which Is the great commandment in the law. Now, there were a lot of different camps. There were a lot of different groups of people that that would hold up different areas of the Old Testament law. And so they're trying to pin him to a group, They're they're trying to pigeonhole him in, back him into a corner. And Jesus so brilliantly answers, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and with all your mind. He adds that part. To the Shema, and he takes him back to Deuteronomy six, and he says, "This is the great and first commandment." Says, Listen, God is love, and this is where it starts. It doesn't start with your love. And First John it also says, "We love because He first loved us." The origin and the source and the power of love is God. So, what happens? How does that get from us to other people? Vertical love, our love received from God and given back to God, leads to horizontal love to those around us. And the second is like it. Quoting Leviticus 19, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Now, Much like learning a new instrument or learning uh, some activity in a sport, how it takes practice. You have to change your muscle memory. Uh, Another thing that's hard, if you've ever tried to do it, is learning a new language, right? Anybody try to learn a new language ever before, right? That's, that's not easy to do. Uh, you start out with kind of replacing words from your language for that language. But, I mean, I think everybody knows the best way to learn a language, right, is to be immersed into it. When 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 we as a Southern Baptists and missionaries overseas, uh, their first, like, year, their main goal is just learning language. and And, and literally, they're going to class, and then they're like, out in the market and they're out in the world just learning the language. Now, why is it so important? that Why would we invest a whole year of a missionary's life when people are dying and go to hell? Like, people dying isn't going to get paused while they're learning a language. We don't get to just press pause and go, hey, everybody stop dying for a minute. I'll get the gospel to you in a year once I learn your language. It's so important that they learn the language and can speak it naturally so they can communicate with love and effectively and be a part of where they are. And so it won't be so unnatural. Because if you ever like, if you ever been learning a language and you thought you were further than you were and then you tried to have a conversation in that language and realized just how much you didn't know, right? It's so, like you get past como esta and you're like, I don't really know. Uh, me llamo Jimbo. Hola. Dios te bendiga, God bless you, right? That's all I got. I can't really tell you a lot more, right? Have you ever gotten to that point and like maybe you were excited and you met somebody and they speak that language natively and you're like, oh, man, this going to be so cool. I'm going to be able to talk to them. And you just, you just don't really get very far in the conversation. For us to have a life and a language of love, to love our neighbors of ourselves, we have to immerse ourselves in God's love. it's going to feel very awkward and uncomfortable as you first try to live this out. But the more you immerse your life and the language of your mind and the way you see the world and the love of God, the easier it is for you to be loving to others. Right? So they say you become fluent in a language if you start thinking in that language and dreaming in that language. Right? That's when you know that it's gone from learning a second language to like, I'm now fluent and I can speak this like a native because you can think it. You're no longer translating, right? Like I've not got to experience that, but that's what I hear. That you learn a language to the point that you're no longer computing and translating in your mind. You're just, you're thinking and speaking in that language. See, part of this is what sanctification looks like. It's, it's to chisel out, our own language and our own self-focused way of seeing and operating in the world and we get to where we're so immersed in the love of God that it's not hard for us to love someone else. We don't even have to prompt ourselves in our mind and think, be loving, be kind, be encouraging, speak truth, have mercy, let your love have action, love with sacrifice. We don't have to remind ourselves of those things. It just becomes second nature. We become fluent in the language of love. But we have to be immersed in it. Which means you gotta practice it now. You gotta be intentional. You gotta get there and immerse yourself in the word of God and the love of God. Let look, I, my goal is that when you read Romans 5.8 or other passages like that, that it would just, it would. I can't read Romans 5.8 and not just stop for a second and think about that. That He loves me like that. Because I know me. And I don't deserve that kind of love. I know I don't. You know, I did not have to be, I don't have to be convinced daily that I'm a sinner. I pretty quickly remember that. And then I'm overwhelmed by the grace and love of God. And I want to continually immerse myself in that by immersing myself in His Word, immersing myself in things that point me to Him. And as I immerse myself in the vertical love of Jesus Christ and God, the Trinity, then it just flows out of me fluently, naturally. I don't have to translate it anymore. It just comes out. The best way you can be loving to others is to love God more than you love them. The best way you can love your spouse, your children, your friends, your roommates. It's to love God more than you love them. Fall so in love with God that the love of God becomes second nature to you. You become fluent in it. We're going to respond to this with taking communion together. And so I'm going to pray in in a minute, and when I do, I'm going to ask Ushers to come down and get ready to pass out the elements. And here's what I want to do. I, I, when that happens, the band's going to play. And as, as the band plays and we are responding to what God's word has said to us and preparing our hearts for communion, uh, I, I want you to realize that's a pretty serious thing to God. Like He asked us to do that before we. Uh, this is not just some weird ritual where we take a shot of Welch's grape juice and eat a dry cracker. This is. This is remembering that Romans 5, 8 love. This is immersing ourselves in it, unifying ourselves with it, declaring the death of Jesus Christ until he returns. But also the Bible's clear that, listen, if you, if you have beef, if you have tension, if you have difficulty between you and somebody, you, you might want to deal with that in your heart or even directly if they're in this room before you take communion. And so... I'm going to be, whenever we do this, I'm going to stand at the front pew. And while they're passing out the elements, you can stand, you can sing, you can sit, you can, whatever you want to do. We're going to take some time as the elements are being passed out and a little bit after that to just kind of talk with God and ask Him to reveal to us where we need to confess sin, we need to repent, we need to get rid of the junk, immerse ourselves in His love, Maybe that person that you have tension with is yourself. Maybe you've spoken so negatively to yourself, about yourself, that you've defined yourself in some ways that the Lord would disagree with. And maybe you need to repent of that. Lay that on the table today. Before you take the elements, take anything that's not the love of God out of you. And just lay it down for him. Because his love is so incredible to live in, to just live in it, to let it be your identity, your fuel, your food, your, your breath, your everything. That's the purpose of life. That's why we're here, is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Let's pray.